Very warm greetings to all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, if there's one thing in our lives that if we are honest, one characteristic in our lives that if we are truthful, we will admit that we tend to worry, be anxious in life. It is part of the fallen nature as we go through this life, and it is inevitable that life will present its fair share of troubles, <clears throat> losses, fears, uncertainties in our lives. It is inevitable that we will face all this till the very day we die. And because of our flesh that tend to succumb to troubles and be worried, it is dangerous. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul has been in his love and his deep concern for the Philippian Christians, trying to tell them how to stand fast as Christians till the day they die and not fall. He loved them very much. God loves us very much, and this he gives in his word to us as well. Look at verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Now, he says, Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And then he goes forth to say, to list out the things that the believer must be aware of that can help us to stand fast. In verse 2, he talked about unity. This unity in the church, in the home, among Christians, will greatly affect our spiritual walk. So there's verses 2 and 3. Verse 4, failing to rejoice in the Lord always will cause us also to be destabilized. And now he brings up the next thing. Oh, sorry, in verse 5, the moderation, the attitude of the Christian, the open kindness, patience, never demanding your rights all the time. The open generosity of a believer. Now, when you keep demanding, always expecting your rights, oh, you will be a person that is very miserable and bitter. And now he comes to this. Next thing, be careful for nothing. You see, the word careful means full of care. It refers to anxiety, being troubled in your heart. Now, is it not true? Today, in social work, the world, well, just in Australia itself, in Perth itself, cannot find enough social workers to deal with the mental health problem, they call it, depression, breakdowns, emotional distresses that causes a person to reach a state of panic, being paralyzed, and even contemplate suicide. The world is in this state where anxiety grips the people of the world. But here, 
the Apostle Paul says, be careful for nothing. Now, the phrasing in Greek tells us something very clearly. It is telling the people at Philippi to stop this habit of worrying. So it's to stop something that they are habitually in. It is not to stop, it is not to um, not start something, but it is to stop something that is ongoing. So even for the believers, we can also succumb to this problem of habitual worrying, being troubled, cannot sleep, keep thinking of the problem. Sometimes almost to the point of acting irrationally. That is why Paul says, for your stability, for your spiritual stability, you must not be careful. You must not be full of care. Because when we are full of care, what is the danger of being full of care? We will make wrong choices. When we panic, when we worry, whatever we see at hand, so I think this will solve the problem. We jump on it. It causes us to fear. When fear comes, we can't think clearly. It causes us to have breakdowns, not just in the body. Science tells us that. Medical science tells us that. It causes all sorts of problems in your body. But we're not just worried about the problems it causes in the body. We're worried about what it does to the temple of the living God. And when these things happen to the body, we, our service for God, our living for God gets affected. But importantly, when we are anxious, we constantly think about the problem. We focus on the troubles rather than on God. That is why we will slowly but surely depart, backslide, act like the world. It is a dangerous characteristic. Hence, Paul gives the command, stop this now. Stop this habit of yours out of love for them. And he says this further, look at verse 5. But in everything, be, uh, be careful in nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In nothing, be careful for nothing, but in everything. Two very opposite words. Now, nothing means nothing. You see, it also means small and big things. Sometimes we have this problem. We feel that, well, this is a small issue. We don't turn to God. It will snowball in nothing, but in everything. What do we worry about? The what-ifs. What if the past, the things of the past, will cause problems for me? What if the things present that I'm facing will cause everything to go wrong in my life? I feel hopeless. I feel helpless with what is before me. 
It can be losses. It can be trials of life. It can be fears. It can be something happening to your body, your possessions, your child, your loved ones, what you're facing at this point of time. So we worry about the past. We worry about the present. We worry about the future. What's going to happen? What if it doesn't happen that way? What if it happens this way? What if that comes or does not come true for me? See, this is what God is saying, for nothing, be careful for nothing. We are very good at imagining problems. Now, the difference between worrying and concern is this. Now, Paul is not saying, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer. Paul is not saying, well, don't think about anything. Because in scriptures, we are told, we are told to plan. We are told to think about things, to think through things. We are told to be exercising human responsibilities. So Paul is not saying also that, well, uh, don't you imagine anything. This is not a problem. That is not a problem. He faced real problems. He was in prison at that point of time when he wrote this. He's not saying, ah, be careful for nothing. This is nothing. I'm not in prison. So it is not this human um, psychology thing that people say, well, positive thinking, positive thinking. Paul is not saying that. Be careful for nothing. He is fully aware that life is full of real problems. But he says, don't be full of care about it. Not don't care, right? Daddy and mommy says, exam is coming. Well, God says, don't care. All right? Go find a job. God says, don't care. It is not that. Don't worry is the thing. Now, the difference between worry and concern is this. Worry... Or rather, concern is you face facts. You think about them. You're conscious of them. You think through these things. You have a concern, all right? You are, you are thinking through things. But, but worry is different. As you do care about these things, put thoughts to them, you let it affect you emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You let it affect you. That is the difference. So Paul is not saying don't care. Paul cared about many things. He wrote to the churches about many things. He said, handle this. Look at that. Do this. Paul planned. Paul faced losses. Paul faced fears. He understands that. But the problem with the Philippian Christian is, it's reached a stage where it's affecting their rejoicing. Now look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Then now he said, be careful for nothing. You see, when we let worries grip us, we cannot be rejoicing Christians. 
we will be miserable, downcast, depressed. The Christian is not supposed to fall into these things. So here, look at verse, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything... Ah, in everything. Is it true in your life and my life? We tend to compartmentalize our lives. You know, this kind of thing, work things, uh, I, don't, I don't pray about work things. I pray about spiritual things, all right? my spiritual walk, uh, my Bible studies, uh, my, my, um, prayer, my prayer life. I pray about these things. But God says everything. Because we tend to say, well, these things I don't worry about, but I, I, I worry about work. Oh, it's natural. We should worry about these things. They, they are natural. We must not be Christians that are like that. But we move quickly, all right? Now, how can you still be rejoicing Christians? How can you still be a Christian that stands fast in your walk and even growing when you face troubles, losses, fears, bad news comes to you? How to still stand firm? Well, the antidote is given here. Look at verse 6. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, the title today is Stand Fast in Communion, not Stand Fast in Prayer, for a reason. You see, the Bible have, has different words for this idea of prayer that we have. And here, God says, you want to know the antidote. Now, you're someone who is a worry what? And you know it's affecting your spiritual walk. Or you don't know, but it will, all right? What is the antidote? Number one, go to God in prayer. One kind of word. Look at verse six. The second one, bring your supplication to him. The third one, with thanksgiving. Fourth one, make your requests known. Fifth one, unto God. This is communion. Communion is the child of God going to God to speak with Him. It is not the child of God going to God with a laundry list. Do this, God. Do that, God. Give me this, God. Give me that, God. Take away this, God. Add this to my life, God. Parents know that. When your child comes, you say, what do you think I am? A shop. Your servant. Communion is the child desiring to be in the presence of God, speaking with him, praising him, talking with him. Not all about me. So the antidote is communion with God, my friends. And in communion, there are different aspects. How do we learn that? Now, a Christian that can go through any kind of situation, everything, and nothing would make him anxious and worried, is a Christian that prays. For example, all right? I know pray is not the only word, but I use the acronym P-R-A-Y-S, all right? To help you remember. Because when we go through these losses and troubles and panic, Everything flies out of our minds. Hopefully with these alphabets, um, these letters that I use, 
You remember, praise, a Christian that prays, all right? Now, the first one, P. Now, this word prayer, this, it doesn't stand for prayer, right? P doesn't stand for prayer. The first word, P, so the first thing God says is to go to him in everything by prayer. Now, this particular word has certain emphasis, right? It's general, but it has a particular focus. And that focus is on adoration and worship. It is going to God, simply that. And in going to God with this aim in the heart of focusing on Him. Hence, when the Lord taught His disciples to prayer, our Father, first the focus, which art in heaven, who He is. In heaven means He is God. Hallowed be Thy name. Let let us glorify your name. Now, that is prayer. This particular Greek word used, prayer. This P is about the focus on the person of God. You see, the problem with us when we worry and we, we are troubled and we kneel down, the first thing we do is Rattle of God, please, don't you know God, this problem, please, can you please solve it? Ah, you know, God, if you don't do, if only you act now. But God did not start with that. God says, in everything, by prayer. Anytime you face any situation, when you kneel down before God, the thing that you start with is not, God, please solve this problem. But it is God, who you are. Who you are. You're my father. And not just my father, but the God of heaven who dwells in heaven. So you're focusing on the person. Actually, um, let me retract. P is not about person, all right? It's just one of the P. P stands for the promises of God. The promises. Now, when you think of God, what does God say he is? Think about that. You see, a Christian, the clearer you are about the attributes of God, the less panicky a Christian you are. The attributes of God. And God promises are useless if His attributes are not infinite. He's infinite in His being, wisdom and power. We memorize that. From scriptures. Infinite in his being means God is present. God, everything is present before God. See the relationship. Look at chapter 4, please. Now look at verse 5. The Lord is at hand, then he says, but in everything by prayer. The Lord is at hand. You see, the assurance of the presence of God was just told to them, the Lord is at hand. He's close to you. He's with you. And the very thought that this is my heavenly Father, the very thought of His promises of who He is, and therefore what He can do, what He will do, what He has done, now gives an unusual Comfort to the believer. 
The presence of God calms the believer. Now, we've seen children. They cry. They're uncomfortable. But the moment the parent walks into the room, they calm down because of their trust in, the, in their parent, their relationship, their fellowship with the parent. They calm down. You try and calm, you try and calm, they won't. They don't respond to you. But the moment it is the parent, peace comes over them. Isn't it true? The Lord is at hand whenever you panic. But not just that. So what if God is near me? But when you realize He's infinite, in His being, in His wisdom. See the importance of knowing God? In His wisdom. God is all wise. That is what He says about Himself. He's infinite, in fact, in His wisdom. Means anything that happens in my life, He has allowed it for a purpose. He is present, infinite in His being. God did not forget you. These things, when they happen, it's not because He is not infinite in His power. He has no ability to stop them, no ability to solve them for you. You see, once you begin your prayer with that thought of who God is, His promises brings a certain peace in your heart. Next week, we look at peace. infinite in his wisdom. Do you believe in that promise? When you panic, when you worry, it is a sign. It is a sign of your distrust in God, who he is. That is what it is. What you think of God, dear Christian, especially in prayer, is directly proportional to how you respond when you face problems. That's the reality. Now, when I was working, when I first started work as an engineer, very soon, very major accounts were given to me. Major banks, stock exchange, and government ministries. I tell you, I go to bed worrying all the time. Because when the system goes down, when I get a call in the middle of the night, I panic. Because if I don't do something right, the next day, it will probably be in the national newspaper. System went down at the stock exchange. System went down at Citibank. System went down at this government ministry. Full of worries. Not that I say I'm right, right? That is who, how we are. But now we have a department that is called the Escalation Center. Right? Escalation Center. Filled with very capable people, experienced people. Now I have a great comfort whenever I think there is an Escalation Center. If I face problem in the middle of the night, I can call Escalation Center. Because I trust in their abilities. I trust in their um, experience. I trust in their response. There is this sense of peace and comfort to me. Now, that is what it is. So, Christian, what do you think of God in your life? 
Do you trust God's promises to the point? Now, this is a key thing. That when God says in His promises that all things work together for good for the believer, do you believe in that promise? If you do, and you trust in God's infinite wisdom and in His infinite power, then you know this thing God has allowed in your life is for your spiritual good and for His glory. You see, it's easy to say all these things when we don't have problems. But when you kneel before God, instead of the first thought, a problem, how to solve it, you think about who God is. Why God allows things? For spiritual good. Do you trust that? Once you do, you do not go into this panic mode. You calm down. You may not know what's going to happen, but it calms you. Do you trust in that? Do you trust in God's love for you? Because God says He's infinite in His goodness. You memorize that, but is it real? Infinite in His goodness means even you suffer a great loss in your life. Sudden or gradual. It could be loss of health and at a young age. It could be loss of a loved one. It could be loss of a child. Loss of something important in your life. Loss of job. Loss of finances. Do you trust in the infinite goodness of God? If you don't, again, you go into panic. You just got, God, please solve this. God, please remove this. God, please heal me. Heal so and so. Instead of, God, you have allowed all things for good. And even this thing in my eyes before me and in the eyes of the world is something very negative. But God, I trust that you're infinite in goodness, in your love towards me. You will not allow something that is really negative happen to me. You see, here is where God starts. Don't run off like a headless chicken, panicking, but begin in this place. Prayer is focusing on the promise of God. The promise of God is about His person. The promise of God is the belief that God has a plan. He's not out of things are not out of control. He has a plan. The plan is working itself out. But not only that, he has a purpose. A purpose that is for your spiritual growth. Once you realize that, you stop panicking. You stop wanting, just wanting God to remove the problem. You allow God to do what he's doing. Because you trust him in his promises. So my friends, that is where you begin. See, there's no use knowing that God is at hand when you don't trust in these things. Now, very quickly, then, the next one, all right, the P. Uh, sorry, the R, the R. Now, then he uses the next kind of communion, which is supplication, another word that the Bible often, use, often uses. Now, 
what is supplication? Well, it's a form of prayer, but it is specific prayers. All right? When you supplicate, means you are very specific in what you are asking. So first focus on God, then now come to pray very specifically about things. Now when a Christian pray, you must think about what you are praying. Be specific. We've said many times in prayer meeting, when we pray, we're after asking for something, add the two words, so that. So that. Lord, please heal me. So that. When you add so that, you're being specific why you are asking. So be specific about why you are asking. When you pray, that will help you to stop worrying. How? Let me explain. God, heal me so that I can continue to come and worship you serve you, evangelize, go to work and meet these people and spread the gospel to them so that God give me a job so that. You see, once you are specific, you are actually acknowledging one thing, the R. You're acknowledging your relationship with God. What do I mean by that? See, first prayer is, well, who God is. And now you have to think about who you are before God. And then when you ask things, you must ask specifically in context to that relationship. Let me explain further. You see, when the Christian panic and worry, it is because... Very often you're worrying about yourself. Worrying about the thing that's happening to a loved one. That is what you're worrying about. But if you are conscious that your relationship with God is that you are a servant of God and that you are here to fulfill His purposes, not your selfish, earthly lusts. When you understand that relationship what you ask for will be specific to that relationship. And when you ask for things specific to that relationship, it calms you. When you're clear about your relationship, you do not panic. Let me give you an illustration. You go to work, all right? You're facing a, pro a project. Very difficult problem has a reason. You worry. You panic. Now, but then, you realize that there's an escalation center, all right? Following on that example. And you realize that you are doing there, doing a job for the company, fulfilling their purpose, trying to achieve their objectives. You understand that relationship. Then when you ask, whatever you ask, right, your boss, for example, you know your boss has the power, have the resources, and God has infinite power, infinite resources, and he has a plan, and he, he knows what he wants to achieve. You say, boss, right, 
we are facing this problem. And the boss said, don't worry, all right? I'll take care of that. Now, but then he gives you something as a solution. But in your heart and mind, you feel that that, that that doesn't solve the problem that I am facing. But what you don't realize is this. Your boss has a bigger plan. He said, he, he said solve this problem. But in your heart, no, that is not the problem I want to solve. But your boss knows what he's doing. Don't worry, solve this problem. But because you understand, I'm just here to do my job. If boss says, fix this and don't worry, although I feel that it's not going to fix what I want to fix, but because he knows and it is his business, I just go do it. I don't worry any further. Right? Boss says, do this. Well, he knows better than I accept what his plans are. And I just do it. God uses this word supplicate. is to remind us. When you ask anything and you are clear that you are specifically asking it for his glory, for his kingdom, for his plans, for his purposes to be fulfilled, for his name and for your spiritual growth. You do not worry anymore. Whatever God chooses to answer, whether to solve the problem or not solve the problem, whether it's now or later or never, whatever his answer is, it doesn't really bother you. Because you understand your relationship, you're a servant. Now, which slave during the time of the Apostle Paul, they had, they, during that time, they said, the master said, do this. This is the amount of resources you will have, not more than that. The slave said, okay, that is all. All right? Now, that is why when you understand this, you have relief. When you remember God's promises, you have peace. When you remember your relationship and specifically all those things, you have relief. I'm relieved. All right, I'm worried, but boss says do this. I'm relieved. Okay, I know exactly what. I accept whatever plans he has, even if it doesn't turn out the way I was thinking it should turn out, but I have a sense of relief. See, the Christian must realize that. It is when, it is when you and I are so concerned about, Lord, I want, to I want it to turn out this way in my life. I want this to be solved in, to this extent and in this, with this way of out this outcome for me. When we forget our relationship, we are just here to fulfill God's plans and purposes. That is when we have no peace. God, why did it not turn out this way? Why is it still like that? So Christian, these words are chosen for the Christian to now begin to focus. Knowing God's attribute, knowing God's power, knowing God's abilities, knowing God's plans, knowing God's purposes. Now, it's no use. It's no use. If you still want your own plan and purposes in your life, as long as it is that, you will never stop worrying. You will never be comfortable. You will never have relief when things, especially when things don't turn out 
your way. All right, so that is, that is the hour. Remember your relationship. You're a servant. You don't worry anymore, all right? You're, you have concern, yes. You have concern, but you no longer worry. Now then, the next thing is this. That is the A, praise, right? The A. Look at scriptures. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. The A is to acknowledge. Acknowledge the goodness of God in many other areas. You know when we worry? when we are troubled, when we are anxious, our problem is this. We only think about that one specific narrow area in a much bigger scheme of things, much bigger, bigger aspect of our entire Christian life. That is what makes us panicky and just going round and round in one thing. But here God says, can you please not only remember my promises, who I am, my plans, my purposes, not only um, learn to find relief in that this is my purposes. These are my purposes. When things happen this way, can you please trust me and leave it with me? How I want to solve it, can you find relief in that? Now he says, at the same time, with thanksgiving. Don't be so narrow focused on the problem. When you give thanks, how does it help you? It helps you to be more appreciative. More appreciative of God and what He has done. Worry and appreciation and thankfulness are very contrary to each other. When you appreciate many other things, Things come into perspective. Remember that. For example, you suddenly get a bad news that you've lost your job one day. You can keep focusing on that loss or when you go to God, you focus on thanking Him you did not lose your child. You did not lose your life. You did not lose all your finances. You did not lose your loved one. You did not lose your faculties. You did not lose so many things in life. Then all of a sudden say, yes, I lost this, whatever it may be. But when I think of all the things that God has so kindly cared for me in and continues to provide. Why should I be so, why should I spiral, spiral downwards? Something happened to your child. You say, thank God for so many other things that did not. It could be far worse. Something happened to you as a single. You say, well, I thank God that a lot of worse things could have happened to me. 
Because I remember my relationship with God. God, I am God's servant. Whatever God allows, He has a plan. And this thing that has happened has happened for a reason. It is helping me to grow. So the second thing, besides thanking God for the many other things that have not gone wrong, that you have not lost, and get a perspective. The second thing is to thank Him that He's working out something in your life. Because you remember, you are His servant, and whatever He allows, He is fulfilling His plans through you. You see, all these are chosen for the believer to think in your communion with God. First Peter 5.10, let me read to you. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You see, only when you believe in God's promises and that you're his servant and that what he has allowed is to do this. The God of all grace, do you believe that? He's not doing things to harm you. Number two, who has called you to his eternal glory. You are his servant. He called you. After that you have suffered, God says he allows something that will make you suffer in this life. Don't be anxious. Instead, thank him that after that suffering, his aim is to make you perfect. Means mature, spiritually, complete, as complete as possible. Establish your stability, stand fast, strengthen, make you grow, and settle you, make you unmovable. When something happen, is happening, instead of worrying, you thank God, God, I thank you. Now your perspective changes, right? I thank you that you have allowed this thing, these things, and God, I thank you that you have not left me alone. You are doing these things on purpose in my life. And you are actively making me perfect, established to strengthen me and to settle me. You are actively working in my life. You have not left me in a corner. You see, thanksgiving is important, again, also to bring perspective when you are worrying and panicking. Hence God say, add thanksgiving. The next one. Thank God, not only that he has not left you alone, but he's working in you. Thank God that he promised that he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. That is God's promise. God knows the limit for each of his child of what troubles, losses, fears they can tolerate. God knows. And God is exercising that for you to grow in patience. Grow in patience and not grow impatient, all right? Grow in your patience. He knows. This is an infinite God. He's pushing, he's pushing. Without that, you won't grow. See, the Apostle Paul was like that. How is it that he is the one who, has, who is in prison, has his freedom taken away, who may die any time? It all didn't seem to be turning out his way. How is it possible that he continues to rejoice? How is it possible that he even keeps giving thanks? 
in his, all his prison epistles and ask people to give thanks because of this. He knows that God knows what he is doing. He knows that it is meant for a good outcome for him. He knows that this will not cause him to fall unless he chooses to by worrying. He knows, and this is the next one, to give thanks that one day all these things will come to an end. All these things will come to an end. The life on earth is very short. Give thanks that God, I am thankful that all this will come to an end. We have been studying from the book of Isaiah, the prophecies, all the prophecies of the millennium. Think of those things and you think of the unfairness, injustices done to, in this world and to Christians. You think of all those things, you will get depressed to no end and you find that there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Not true. When you start to give thanks, God, one day, it will all be upside down, turn totally different from now. Thank Him for that. And all of a sudden, you look at things differently. You are able to go through all this. Thank Him that in the middle of all these things, He is at hand. He's guiding you. He's helping you. You may not feel it. You may not think it's true. But He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God, I thank you. Though I cannot see you, I do not feel you at this point of time. But when you begin to thank him for that, it becomes more and more real to you. Now, the other thing is this. Please remember, prayer or communion with God is not to change the circumstances is not to change God. Prayer changes you. You read this verse, God does not talk about solution. God is telling you how to stop being a worry wart. He's giving you the solution to stop worrying. Because in this life, there is the problems will keep occurring in this life. That in His plan, He will allow troubles, losses in your life is going to be so until we die. May increase, especially until we die. So here God is saying, don't worry, you come to me, I'll solve all your problems. Not that at all. Prayer changes you. When you give thanks, when you consider who God is, when you remember you're here to do His will and He will take care of things, that is what will change you. That is what will see you through the patch of trouble. Now, when I was... The other thing about thankful is this, all right? The second thing about thankful is this. We are not thankful because of verse 5. You see, worry affects your rejoicing in verse 4. But your behavior, in verse 5, affects your thankfulness. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation, that is let your, your gentleness, not demanding, not expecting. When you demand and you expect, that is when you're never happy. 
Lack of moderation makes a Christian unthankful, makes a Christian murmuring, complain, dissatisfied, discontented with God, with the situation. And you go on and on and on and you spiral downwards. You know, when once when I, maybe I give an, an illustration. Once when I was packing my drawers, all right, my, my drawers, and um, my nephew and niece came into the room. All right, and my niece is the older one, my nephew the younger one. When my niece came in, and then she saw me packing, and said, what are you doing? I said, well, clearing things. And a whole stack of things I wanted to throw away. Then I said, well, do you want any of that? And then she went through, I said, you want this? I'll give you this. No, I don't want that. You want this? Okay, maybe that. But I want that one, all right? That that one is the thing that I want to keep, right? I want that one, I want that one. Why is there a whole bunch of things that I'll give to you, all right? Which I thought at the age is plenty useful. No, I want that one in the drawer, all right? And then my, ne my, nie my nephew comes in, very young one, all right? Then I just took one thing. I didn't even know what I was there. I just grabbed one and said, nah, for you. Yay, I have something. Thank you, thank you, Uncle. Thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful. Some random, useless thing, all right? Now, what am I trying to say? See, the younger one did not have any expectations. The younger one did not have any demands. That whatever he receives is a big bonus to him. He did not even expect to receive because I'm the young one. I'm used to being treated, I'm used to being ignored. I'm used to being told this no. And that now uncle treats me differently, will give me something. When I walk into the room, I just fully expect that uncle will be giving things to the older one, I will get nothing. I wasn't expecting something. He became so thankful. Now my point is this. When we like moderation, when we feel, God, this is my life, these are my aims, this is what I do not want have happened in my life. Why do you let it happen? You not only worry. Now, full of care means you are anxious. You're, you're full of care. I care. I want this thing to happen this way. But why is it not like that? You will never have peace. You will never have relief. When the Christian realizes I am but God's servant, I'm here but to do His will. I expect nothing. In fact, Lord, the fact that you would, in your infinite grace, save me. I deserve nothing. I deserve to be in hell forever and ever in eternity. That's really what I deserve. Do you believe that? My friends, if you are not a believer today, you will never understand thankfulness. Because God, the infinite God, left heaven to come and die for your sins. Now, to reject that salvation is a very, it's an infinitely sad ending that will occur. But for the believer, knowing that we deserve nothing, just the very thought, just our salvation alone, just our salvation alone is enough for us to be thankful forever let alone that God would bother to say, I have plans, I have purposes, and I want to make you part of that plan and purpose to give you the privilege to help you to grow spiritually, that you will never have any regrets in eternity when you meet me. I am molding you, I'm making you into something 
that God would even do that. Instead of complaining, God, why did you let this happen? God, you shortchanged me. What shortchange? God, you gave me the bad end of the deal. God, you're nicer to the other person. You see, just the very thought, when you walk into the presence of God in prayer, like this nephew of mine, walk into the presence in the room, and he says, I don't deserve anything. Whatever I get, whatever is allowed, oh, I am so thankful. The Christian who is like that is able to give thanks in every situation because we're demanding. I'm not your servant. God, you are my servant. We don't add so that. Our so that, even we add so that, is so that you know, I get rich, so that you know, I will pass my exam and people admire me with very good grace. We, everything is about ourselves. Now, lastly, lastly, all right, let your requests, another word of communion, requests. Now, this word specifically emphasizes you are the lower going to a higher authority, person, position, and urgently pleading for something. There is a clear understanding of your place, in other words. However urgent you feel that you want God to answer this way or solve this problem, no matter what, you are clear about your place. The why. The why. Whatever God chooses to answer, you know your place. You are just submitting requests. And however God answers for the outcome, you will say the why. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, if that is what you want. Why, do we, why can't we stop worrying, be anxious, be troubled? Because we want things to turn out a certain way. And as long as it has not turned out that way, we are unhappy, unsettled. Remember the Apostle Paul. He prayed three times, meaning to say he was very earnest, almost to the point of really pleading, almost like wanting to demand God, please, I, I want this only. I want this, I, I want this to serve you, right? It will help me to serve you. But God says, no. No, I will not remove the thorn in your flesh. Whatever is happening in your life, even in your mind, you think that, God, but what I'm asking for with the soul that is for your kingdom, your glory, your plans, your purposes. Why would you not answer it that way, Lord? You still need to learn. Yes, Lord. That is what the Apostle Paul said. Yes, Lord. If this thorn in the flesh, though in my mind I think if it's removed, I'll be a better apostle, if this thorn in my flesh will glorify you, will make me lean upon you, will make me draw close to you, if you want to work it this way, I submit my request, Lord, is it possible another way? You will stop being anxious if you learn to be like Paul, yes, Lord, okay. I understand that is how you want it. No disappointment. No stress. 
no worries, no ongoing unhappiness, not ongoing distress. Yes, Lord. How does this, how does this bring peace? Uh, how does this bring stability? It brings stability because it makes you yield to God. This saying yes makes you yield to God. As long as you don't yield to God in your requests, you will continue to be troubled, worried, anxious, upset, unsettled. And you will fall eventually because you will go out and try to make it your way. Yield, yield. When you yield, that is when you settle in your heart. All right, Lord, I move on. I move on. That is why you will be stable because that is exactly what God wants in your life. When you yield to it and you move on, that is when you will grow. So you see, we are short-sighted. We see this, solve it this way. Why? When? Quickly, Lord. We must learn to yield. We must learn to yield. Are you ready to accept? Yieldedly. What God has allowed and will continue to allow. Now then the S, a Christian who prays, will stand stable in all situations. The S, look at your verse, verse 6. Make your, let your request. Now, another command comes. The first command was, be careful for nothing. Stop your habitual worrying. Now another command comes in verse 6. Let your request be made known unto God. What is this S? Speak to God. Speak to God. Because it is only through speaking to God about everything that you will have solace. That you will have solace. What do I mean? You see, when we face problems in life, or when we think some things are going to happen, and we worry, and we panic, we are troubled. We often seek solace with men. We often, well, the first reaction is often pick up the phone, or write to someone, or talk to someone, or meet someone. Now, don't misunderstand me. Scriptures does tell us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. The scripture do encourage us to have fellowship, to watch out for one another, to encourage one another, to be in fellowship because it helps you. But the believer must ultimately know that the ultimate help, even through fellowship, through all this, is really God. It's really God. It comes back to one big round to the first P. His person, his plans, his promises. All right? Uh, his his um. His person, his promises. Now, when you speak with God, when you think, instead of running to someone first, when you think of who God is, that this supreme ruler of the earth, no, supreme ruler of the universe, whose Bound and limits we don't even know. That you're in the presence of such a one. 
and that he is the one that is there listening to you. He is the one that is there to assure you that everything he has is for your good because of his glory. That alone is great solace. Because you can go to people. You walk away. The person is not supreme, not infinite. So what if the person understands? So what if the person knows? No use, no comfort, no solace. But it always goes back to what you think of God. Who you think He is. Ultimately, that is the thing that the believer must be conscious of. Now then lastly, when no one understands you, when no one cares, when no one believes, then no one can help. When your anxiety and your worries in that situation, just, you just find there is no comfort. Remember these words. Verse 6, let your requests be made known unto God. That is your very sacred hiding place. That is where you can live alone. Whatever the situation around you, whatever is happening to you and may continue to happen, you can go through it alone because you are speaking with God because sometimes we worry and we find no comfort because we're still looking for comfort from men but a Christian who knows that secret place with God that his first reaction is to speak with him to him leave it with him there is something that will make him very steadfast. Hence the apostle who is in prison alone. People can't release him. Hence the apostle having lost everything. But to him, he tells him, you know, I speak to God. I let my request be made known to God. You do so too. And you can go through everything that I'm going through and more. Is the place of prayer a sweet hour to you or a burden? What you and I need to worry about is not the problem, is our lack of communion with God. That is what we need to solve. Why pray when we can worry? That is the flesh. But God says, why worry? when you have the sweet hour of prayer. Is it sweet? It is sweet when all these things are real. You don't want to leave that place. You know, sometimes when I go back after a long day in church, in our family prayers, sometimes I feel very tired. I say, but we prayed in church today, we've done this. But always remind me, the place of prayer is the living God present. In fact, I should be wanting not to ever to have to leave that place. I can leave all these things with Him. Why do I see it as a burden? It must be the sweetest thing on earth 
when no one understands, no one cares, and I do not know how to solve the problem, this must be the sweetest asylum on earth. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. 364, 364. The blessed hour of prayer. 364. Is it blessed to you? Or is it a burden? 364. 364. 